Hello everybody and welcome back. It's the BMW Blog Podcast. This is episode 15. Uh, we're actually making some progress here, getting getting pretty far. 15 episodes in. And uh, we're having a lot of fun doing it, actually. And, you know, we kind of just started this on a whim. Kind of like, not on a whim, maybe that's the bad way to put it, but we didn't really have a lot of expectations. We kind of just, we had no experience, you know, in podcasting. Um, so we kind of just decided to start one and uh, see where it went, kind of just an experiment, and so far we're having some fun, uh, it's been interesting, I get to blabber on to you about uh, about our thoughts and, you know, kind of what's going on in the world of the auto industry, and, you know, kind of looking at the auto industry through the lens of a BMW enthusiast, and that's sort of what our site is anyway, but, you know, the podcast is a way for me to kind of give you news and you know, kind of interesting information with a little bit more nuance than I can, you know, writing articles. Uh, it's a bit more personal. You know, I'm talking right to you. You know, I can kind of get in depth a little bit easier. So it's been fun to do that. And I think, you know, the reception has been pretty good so far. Uh, we've had quite a lot of positive feedback, to be honest. And it's really encouraging to see because, again, we're not experienced at this. You know, we haven't really podcasted before this. So, uh, you know, we're having some fun and we're excited to keep it going. So thank you for listening. I just want to, you know, start out by saying that. Thank you for listening. And I think we have a good one for you today because we have some good topics. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the BMW 4 Series. So we're going to talk about that, the next one, not this current one, uh, the next Gen 4 Series. After that, I want to talk to you a little bit about the BMW i4 concept because the concept version of the i4 electric car will debut at the Geneva Motor Show soon. Um, and then after that, I want to get into the BMW i8 because we're saying goodbye to the i8 this year and it's been a very interesting car since it's been on sale since 2014. So since it's been on sale, it's been one of the more interesting cars on the road and uh, we want to talk to you a little bit about that. Let's kick it off though with the BMW 4 Series. So we saw some more spy photos this week of the convertible doing some, you know, typical camouflage testing as all car companies do with all upcoming car models. And uh, what's interesting about the 4 Series is that so far we can see most of its design. We can see its shape, we can see its proportions, we can see its headlights, we can see its taillights, we can see a lot of its design, as we can with almost all spy photos of any car. However, we can't see its grille. And that is becoming a bit of a problem because a lot of enthusiasts want to know what its grill is going to look like. And that curiosity stems from the massive grill on the Concept 4 that debuted a while back. Um, after people saw that thing with its giant, you know, beaver teeth kidney grills, a lot of enthusiasts uh, have been very nervous about the upcoming 4 Series, M3, and M4, all cars that are going to have those grills. Now, a lot of enthusiasts keep kind of commenting on the site and saying like, well, maybe BMW is just kind of making us think that they're going to have those grills, but really they're going to have more normal sized ones. And I hate to break it to you guys, but that's not the case. BMW is going to be giving the new 4 Series the massive grill, uh, very similar to the Concept 4. Now, it's not going to be identical because that was a concept car and this is going to be a you know actual production car. So it's going to be a little bit different, but not drastically. It's going to still be a massive, just monstrous grill. And 
I don't know if it's going to look so bad, to be honest. It's certainly going to look interesting. Um, it's going to take some time to get used to. But I think we will get used to it, and I think maybe with time uh, we'll grow to enjoy it. Uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting design. You know, we've seen it leaked on the M3, uh, and you can kind of make it out in the spy photos. But, you know, for sure it's going to be a huge, huge kidney grill. Now... I think it's going to work best on the 4 Series and M4 because the rest of the car seems to look so good. The proportions on it are like near perfect. It has, you know, it's short overhangs. It's a shorter wheelbase than the 8 Series, but it has like a lot of 8 Series styling in it. So it looks really good. It's like a, a shorter 8 Series and that makes it look even better than the 8 Series in my opinion so far from the spy photos. It just has like a lot of really nice touches. Like has like muscular rear haunches and it's kind of like those short overhangs it just it looks like an 8 series just more compact a bit sportier and in my opinion a little bit better uh, i think the shorter wheelbase and the shorter length kind of just give it a sportier feel you know the 8 series is a beautiful car it's just it has like a big gt car feel where i think the 4 series will be a little bit you know sportier looking and so when you take its good looks from what we can see so far, it should be a good-looking car overall, and its giant grills shouldn't make too much of a difference. Um, yeah, they're going to be a little weird at first, but I think overall the 4 Series is going to be a really, really good-looking car. Maybe one of BMW's best. Uh, I don't think it'll beat the 8 Series Grand Coupe, because that is gorgeous, but I think that it's going to be one of BMW's better-looking cars, and uh, certainly one of the probably the best looking car in that price point you know before you start getting up to like the hundred thousand dollar range for the eight series and the grand coupe um you know I think the four series is going to be a really really good looking car for the money um and if it drives anything like the three series you know it should be a great car to drive too so i think its grills are going to be it's definitely going to get the big grill so anyone who's doubting that or kind of maybe holding out hope that bmw doesn't put those giant grills on it's going to get them but I think we don't. I don't think we have to worry too much because I think the rest of the car is going to be really good looking. So I think overall it's going to make up for the giant grills, and you know I think we're going to get used to it. So as much as a lot of you are kind of holding out hope, and we kind of we get keep getting a lot of comments saying you know like oh, I don't think BMW is actually going to do it. I think it's just for the Concept Four, maybe also just for the M4. But now, you know, from what we're hearing from our insiders at BMW, the Four Series. Standard 4 Series is going to get the big grill. It's going to get the big boy grill, uh, for better or worse. So, you know, I guess embrace yourselves, because it's coming. Another car, though, that I want to talk about also has a 4 in it, and that's the BMW i4. Now, the i4, uh, actually, we, were, we originally thought we were going to be seeing the 4 Series Coupe at Geneva. Um, that it was going to make its debut there. That's what we thought. Uh, but it turns out we're wrong. We're actually going to see the i4 in Geneva. That's going to be the car that we're going to see first, which I think is kind of odd to see the i4 before the 4 Series. Um, but I actually like the idea. I think the i4 is more important. I think it's a car that BMW really needs to nail. Like They really need to get this one right. And it's hugely important. It's very exciting. So I think having that debut first is a good idea. I like that a lot. Uh, and I'm really excited about what you know seeing it in Geneva, uh, I'm not going to be there personally, but you know we're going to have you know, some colleagues we know that are going to be there that uh, are going to have some live photos for us all. So you know we're going to get to see it there, and you know press releases and all that stuff. So we're going to get to see it uh, come Geneva Motor Show time, and that's going to be really exciting. 
Uh, and it's a, it's going to be a really exciting car overall. You know, it's going to be an all-electric uh, sports sedan. And it's going to be based uh, body-wise off of the 4 Series Grand Coupe, the new one. So I think that's a little interesting too. The new 4 Series Grand Coupe uh, is kind of going to debut before the Coupe because the i4 is based off of it and it's going to debut first. So we're going to see that body style first and I think that's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, so it's going to be an all-electric sports sedan based off of that. And just judging from the Vision Dynamics concept, which I know is a Vision concept, so it's, you know, really out there and, you know, really wild. So, you know, we really haven't seen anything of it. But I think it's going to be a good-looking car. I think it's going to be, you know, sharp-looking, sporty-looking. Uh, you know, like I said, the 4 Series looks really good. So you can only imagine every time BMW makes a Grand Coupe, oddly enough, they always end up looking better than the Coupe they're based on. So I think if the, the 4 Series Coupe spy photos look good, the 4 Series Grand Coupe is going to look good. And if the Grand Coupe looks good, then the i4 is going to look good. I actually think the i4 might be end up being the best looking of them all because it's going to have, you know, a kind of like a, I'm hoping at least it's going to have a little bit of, you know, electric styling to it, you know, to differentiate it from the standard 4 Series Grand Coupe. And if that's the case, it might end up being the coolest, uh, you know, of the bunch, of the 4 Series bunch. So I think that's really exciting. We're going to see that there. And, uh, you know, what's most exciting about it, though, is what's under that skin. You know, so it's, you're going to get an all-electric powertrain. From what we understand, it's going to have all-wheel drive, you know, two electric motors, one at each axle. Um, you know, it's supposed to have about 530 horsepower, which is a lot. You know, that's a lot of power. You know, that's BMW 8 Series power. That's our M850i power. That's a lot, you know, M550i power, too. You know, that's a big, big power plant. Uh, and 0 to 60 is supposed to be about 4 seconds, you know, uh, that's a little bit slower than you might expect for something with 530 horsepower, but, I mean, considering the 8 Series, the M850i can do it quicker than 4 seconds with this, with 523 horsepower and less instantaneous torque. However, the i4 is probably going to be a bit of a porker, you know, all those batteries are going to make you kind of heavy, and it's going to have a big battery pack because it's going to have about 350 miles of range. You know, that's a lot. That's a big number. You know, you're talking the big battery Tesla numbers. You know, 350 miles is a lot. And, and basically, forget about range anxiety. If it can really do 350 miles of range, you know, there are some sports cars that don't have 350 miles of range. You know, gasoline-powered ones. So that's a lot of range. And that's way, 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 way more than enough for, you know, the average daily drive. So I think that's great. Um, so that's a lot of batteries and it's going to make it very heavy, which means that 0 to 60 isn't as fast as, you know, other cars at 530 horses. Still, that's pretty good. And I think it's encouraging to see because at the moment, the only electric car, all electric car that BMW sells is the i3. And the i3 is a good car. It's a great car, you know, for a, a very, very specific, uh, customer. You know, if you live in a city where you don't drive very far, you live in an area where it might be, you know, dense, you know, traffic dense, narrow streets, tough to park, stuff like that. The i3 is brilliant. You know, it, it's super tiny. It has, it's a rear wheel drive with a short little, you know, wheelbase and short overhangs and steering is really quick. So you can like just, you see a gap, you can just snag like gaps in traffic really quickly. And it's, it, it's really fast 0 to 30 actually. It's like surprisingly quick 0 to 30. So it can just shoot little gaps in traffic. It's easy to park. It's easy to see out of. It has an incredible interior. You know, it's a really cool car, but it's just, it's it's not fast enough. It doesn't have 
um, you know, anywhere near enough range to be competitive in today's, you know, entire industry. Everyone's making electric cars with huge ranges now. I mean, the Chevy Bolt is over 200 miles of range. You know, a ton of cars that are much cheaper than the i3 have more range. So it's just not competitive in that regard anymore. And it's too expensive. So BMW really needs an impressive electric car. And I think the i4 can be that car. It has the potential to be a, an excellent EV and one that will get customers into electric cars. Because, I mean, think about it. If you go to a dealership, and a lot of this depends on pricing. So say you go to a dealership and there's a 4 Series Grand Coupe, you know, M440i or whatever when it comes out. And, you know, it's... You know, it's got a good power. M440i should have like 300 and maybe two horsepower, 0 to 60 in about four seconds-ish, you know, because that's what the M340i can do. If you can get that or the i4 for the same price or a similar price, the i4 is going to be cooler. It's all electric. It's, you know, it's 530 horsepower. You know, it's it's really cool. That, that sort of car can attract customers because its range is 350 miles. So its range is, you know, gasoline car level. You know, I, I think at that point, the i4 can start attracting a lot of premium buyers who might want to get into something interesting and different and exciting and, you know, be part of this new trend and, you know, really kind of jump the gun and, and get on board with electric powertrains before, you know, it's super common, you know, people, and a lot of times people who buy BMWs, let's face it, people who buy BMWs and Mercedes and Audis like to show up to their neighbors and brag about what they drive and, you know, there's a lot of bragging rights going on, so... Having some green bragging rights is actually kind of popular among the wealthy folk because they like to show off how, you know, kind they are to the polar bears. You know, they like to, you know, be like, well, I can afford, a, you know, a big muscle muscle car, a big powerful SUV, but I drive an electric car because I am kind to the environment. You know, it's like, uh, it's, it's a bit of a green bragging right. So I think that a lot of wealthy people are going to enjoy getting into something like that. Especially, also, it gives BMW a direct competitor. It's a direct competitor to the Model 3. And that's really important because the Tesla Model 3 right now is probably the best bang for your buck electric car. You know, if you spend around 50 grand, you get one with like 300 miles of range about. And, you know, it's pretty quick. I don't know, I don't know if you can get the performance model for that much money. But the performance model is really fast. And it, like, handles well. And it's fun to drive. And... You know, it's got a good range. I mean, reliability's been an issue. It's kind of like a nightmare, actually. But, you know, aside from that, it's a really, really good car. And no one really has anything to compete with it right now. Just nobody. So when BMW comes out with the i4, they're going to be one of the only other brands to offer a car in that segment, an electric car, an electric sedan, at about that price point. I don't know how much it's going to cost. I'm hoping BMW prices it around that $50,000, $60,000 range or they're going to lose customers because it's more than that. It's just going to be too much money. But, um, you know, if they price it in that $50,000, $60,000 range at 350 miles of range, you know, that that's a great car. That's a really good electric car. And you give it Grand Coupe styling, maybe some cool, you know, unique electric accents, and you're going to have a really, really exciting uh, sporty EV on your hands. So we're really pumped to see that in Geneva. You know, I mean, personally, if I could afford a car like that, I would be all over such a thing. You know, I'd be all over the i4 right now. You know, Horatio has an i3, and, you know, that's about the same price as, you know, that's about, you know, something that starts like $55,000. You know, you add a couple options, you're over sixty grand. So, you know, if I'm him, I'm looking right at the i4 because that seems like a really interesting car. So uh, I can't wait to see 
what that is when it finally debuts. I, you know, we can't wait. It's going to be really, really, really cool. And, uh, you know, it, it also just shows BMW is really moving into the future, and that's good. Uh, because it's been stagnant for a while. BMW has been stagnant in the electric car world, and a great example of that is our next topic, and that's the i8. You know, the BMW i8 has been one of the most interesting cars on the market since it came out in 2014. However, it's been dated and kind of old, not old-fashioned because it's still pretty high-tech, but it's been, like, its performance and its specs have been dated since, like, 2015. <laughs> so it's a it's a very interesting car. It's a great car in a vacuum. Like, if it's, if it's just you in that car, forget about the market, forget about anything else, forget about the price, forget about its competitors, just that car on the road, it's, it's, it's great. You know, uh, I had an i8 Roadster, I think, two summers ago, and I loved it. I loved driving it. It was a great car to drive. I mean, sure, it had a lot of flaws. It was not perfect by any means, but there's something about it that's very charming. There's something about it that makes you want to get in and keep going. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot to like about it. Unfortunately, though, it is time to say goodbye, because the i8 has you know it's run its course, uh, and it's frankly overstayed its welcome. Uh, it's a good car, it is. It's one that is very likable, but it's deeply flawed, and it has been for a while, and it's way too outdated now uh, to really compete with anything. You know, so there, it's just, it can't compete anymore, and it's way too expensive. So I think it's time for it to go. It's been time for it to go for a while, if I'm being honest. But I think when we say goodbye to it eventually... Uh, when it finally does stop production this year, we need to remember that it was a fascinating car when it first came out. And, I mean, it remained a fascinating car up until, you know, the end of its life. Even after it became obsolete, it was still a fascinating car. And one that was enjoyable to drive in its own way. You know, it was an interesting car. So it was a mid-engine, carbon fiber tub. You know, sort of like a McLaren. had a carbon fiber chassis. Uh, mid-engine hybrid powertrain. So the engine that sat behind the driver was a 1.5 liter turbocharged three-cylinder. Now that's hilarious, right? That's insane that a six-figure supercar uses a three-cylinder engine. That's crazy, right? So when that first came out, that was mind-blowing that BMW could coax that much power out of such a tiny engine. And they did. You know, I mean, it makes, I think that just the engine alone makes like 250 horsepower or something like that. You don't have the, I don't know the exact specs because honestly, uh, I haven't bothered to look at them in so long. I don't remember. Um, and it doesn't really matter. It really doesn't matter anymore because it's not competitive regardless. Even once you add the electric motors, because there are two, there's one electric motor at the back that helps the engine power the rear axle. And there's one at the front that powers just the front axle. Um, when you combine it all together, it's still under 400 horsepower, and it's just not enough to be competitive anymore. It just doesn't matter. I mean, a base 911 will slap an i8 around like it's not even fair, and it has less power. Um, so it really, it's it's just not competitive anymore. Um, but it is fascinating because so you have a gas engine, two electric motors that create torque vectoring all-wheel drive without anything connecting the two different axles uh, mechanically. And not only does it work, but it works really well. Like, the calibration of it is... Fa it's fantastic. It, it literally is genius 
how BMW was able to calibrate all of that together. An internal combustion engine with two electric motors creating all-wheel drive without any physical connection between the axles, and it, it works perfectly. It, it's crazy to me. The, engine, the level of engineering that went into that is still super impressive. Um, unfortunately, there's just not enough power there, so you know even the fastest i8 is nowhere close to anything else in that price point. Um, like I said, a, a base 911 Carrera will destroy an i8. Uh, a Mercedes AMG GT, you know, Audi R8. You know, those cars will absolutely embarrass an i8 in terms of performance. But the engineering genius behind the i8 is still really impressive. And the i8 was one of the first cars. It might have been the very first electric car um, to feature an actual two-speed gearbox on the front electric motor. Now. That's interesting because typically electric cars don't have gearboxes. They just have a one-speed kind of transmission. Um, electric cars don't really need uh, transmissions, so you know they don't really have them. But the i8 did, and what's interesting about that is the new Porsche Taycan also has a two-speed transmission. So everyone's kind of going crazy with the Taycan having a two-speed transmission, but it was actually the i8 that did it first. So. The i8 was a really impressive uh, feat of engineering. It was a really impressive car when it first came out. And technically speaking, it is still an impressive car. It just doesn't have the performance. It doesn't have the specs. It doesn't have the range. That's another thing. It's a hybrid, but it has like less than 20 miles of range. It's really embarrassing how little range it has. And that's the whole point of the i8. Like I know that most plug-in hybrids don't have a lot of range, but the whole point of the i8 was to get a car, a supercar, that was also a hybrid. And if it doesn't have a lot of range, what the hell's the point of getting a supercar as a hybrid? Because if it's not that much, you know, it doesn't have that much electric range, why don't you just go get a regular performance car, like a regular supercar at that point? I just don't understand the point. I get it in like a 3 Series because it's not that expensive, you know, relatively speaking. So if you get a 3 Series hybrid, it's kind of still regular 3 Series money. Um, it just has the hyper powertrain and it actually ends up kind of being quicker than the, the four cylinder or the four cylinder three series anyway. But in the i8, like there's no real advantage to it being a hybrid. You know, it's kind of slow compared to everything else in the segment and it doesn't have the range, you know, so there's really no point in it being a hybrid except to kind of show off uh, the engineering prowess behind it. And I get what BMW did in 2014. You know, they were showing off the future. It was the future of the supercar. You know, hybrid, you know, all-wheel drive, carbon fiber chassis, all that stuff, really impressive, but they never did anything with it, you know, anything further. You know, it kind of never really evolved. Sure, after its facelift, it got a little bit more power, a little bit more electric range, it looked a little bit better, and that's great, but they never made anything more. You know, it never really had a ton of electric range, it never really had a ton of power, it never really, I don't know, it just kind of seemed stagnant. And even towards the end of its life, you know, it was a car that we liked a lot, but it was kind of one that you had to forgive for a lot of things to like. You know, you had to say, well, I like it despite the fact that it has a lot of flaws. You know, I, I like it anyway. And, you know, when you're spending, you know, 150 grand, you know, for like a i8 Roadster, it's it's kind of hard to, to spend that much money and say, well, it's good. It has this, 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 and this flaw, but I like it anyway. You know, it's tough to do that, so it didn't sell very well at all. So BMW had to end up, you know, axing it, getting rid of it, because it just didn't sell well enough and it was too expensive to make 
and it just wasn't competitive anymore. It's, it's the I-8's time. Now, we say goodbye to the I-8 with a heavy heart, because like I said, as flawed as it is, you know, as uncompetitive as it is at the moment, it's still a car we like a lot. And as I mentioned before, I had an I-8 Roadster for a week as a press car a couple of summers ago, and I really, really enjoyed it. And one thing I really liked about it, and it's one thing that I think um, a lot of modern electric cars can learn from, is convertible electric driving. Right now, there really aren't any convertible electric cars on the road, and that's a shame because driving the i8 with Roadster with the top down in pure electric mode is really like lovely. It's it's really nice. I liked it a lot. Um, I remember just one morning I woke up and it was a Sunday morning, and I wanted to run out and get you know bagels and donuts and stuff for the family, just because I felt like doing something nice, and I kind of wanted to drive the car selfishly. And so I get up and I get in the i8 Roadster and I just, you know, I say, you know what, let's try it in electric mode. You know, top down, just let it cruise in electric mode. I'll go slow, I'll, I'll let the, you know, keep the engine off. And I really, really ended up enjoying it a lot. Um, there's something about just kind of driving along in, in the open air in silence that's really enjoyable. I mean, you kind of really get all of the experience of a convertible because you don't have engine noise. Now, granted, the scream of a high-strung V8 or V10 or something like that in a convertible is amazing. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Like an Audi R8 Roadster is incredible. Or like a Ferrari 488 you know, convertible is in in insane. Those are just unbelievable cars to drive because they're convertible and you can hear the engine. But on the flip side... There's something really nice about not hearing anything, about just hearing a little bit of electric whir, like a little whoo of the electric motor, and that's it. A little bit of wind noise, and that's it. It kind of just makes you feel like you're really part of the environment, and it's really relaxing. It's really enjoyable, and I actually think a faster version would be a lot of fun. You can't really drive the i8 Roadster fast in pure EV mode because then the gas engine kicks on because its front electric motor uh, isn't powerful enough to really make it go any <laughs> any sort of quick um and it doesn't have much range so if you kind of dip into the throttle too much and you, you run out of range pretty quick and uh, it'll kick the gas engine back on uh but when it's off and when if you do if you are steady enough with your right foot and you can just keep it off for like the i don't know 17 miles or whatever it is that it can do um it's really enjoyable it's really 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 nice and i actually to be honest i think i enjoyed it more than driving it with the engine on because as it's actually, I mean, I, I make fun of it being slow uh, compared to its competitors, but with the gas engine on in sport mode at full chat, it's actually pretty quick. It is surprisingly quick. 0 60 is like a low four-second range, so it's a fast car. Um, but the engine kind of sounds a little weird, and it's a three-cylinder, and a lot of what you're hearing is fake. And it's loud, and it's aggressive, but it's not a great sound. And it's kind of like, I don't know, gargly. It's just not a great sound. But driving without it and just kind of driving calm, was I actually found it more enjoyable. It was actually a lot of fun. I really, really liked it a lot. So I'd be really curious to see what another car like that would be. Personally, I would really love to see like an electric, uh, all-electric Mazda MX-5. That would be a blast, I feel like. Something small, you know, uh, drop top, soft top, you know, manual soft top would be great. You know, just kind of like flip it backwards. Uh, an all-electric rear-wheel drive, that would be great. That would be so much fun. And I think the i8 Roadster, if the i8 has done nothing else, 
has introduced the world to what a convertible electric car is really like. Now, yeah, there was the Tesla Roadster from years ago, but that, I think, <laughs> I think that thing was broken more than it ever worked. Uh, so, that, I mean, it was an interesting car and it was a cool car, but it was so long ago and it was a disaster mechanically and reliability-wise. So, uh, the i8 Roadster proved that, you know, drop-top electric cars can be really, really enjoyable. And I think that some car companies need to start looking into that sort of thing. You know, like, like I said, I would love for an electric Mazda MX-5 or, you know, a BMW, make an electric Z4. You want to keep the Z4 alive? Make it electric. That would be amazing. Like, that would be so much fun. If BMW made a Z4 electric, I would be so excited. I would probably want to buy one, but probably can't afford one, but would want to buy one anyway, because that just sounds like a blast. It just... It, I mean, that's fantastic. And the i8 Roadster, if BMW ever makes a convertible, uh, electric convertible, the i8 Roadster is absolutely uh, to, you know, to credit for that because it really showed us what that could be. And so I like the i8 Roadster a lot. Um, I think it's a hilariously weird, silly, desperately flawed car, but it's one that's charming. It's a look. It looks incredible. I will give it that. I mean, its looks have not aged one bit. If anything, it still looks more futuristic than anything else on the road. It is a wild-looking car. Draws attention everywhere it goes. Turns heads more than most other exotic cars. It's a crazy-looking car. And it looks fantastic. Its interior is a bit boring and bland, but the exterior is just fantastic-looking. So it's a deeply flawed car, but it's a very likable one. So it is with a heavy heart that we say goodbye to the i8, because it really... It really was impressive when it first came out. It started a, it, it, you know, it started a big trend. It was big. It was, people didn't know what the hell to think of it. It was just, it blew people's minds. People were confused about it. They were conflicted. Is it, is it cool? Is it weird? Is it, it's not that fast, but is it cool anyway? It was kind of this weird, uh, you know, controversial car. And, uh, you know, so while it was deeply flawed, it was very impressive and, you know, we're going to miss it. And I really, really, really hope that BMW comes out with something very similar, but all electric. You know, I don't want an internal combustion engine. I don't want a hybrid. Just make it all electric. Give it a convertible. And I think it's going to be a really, really cool car if BMW does that. Now, there are rumors and debate about whether or not BMW is going to continue uh, with an i8 or make it all electric. And there's still a lot of debate about that right now. So uh, we don't really know anything concrete. But more than likely, there's going to be something similar to it in the future. Uh, probably not the near future, because BMW has its hands full with like the i4 and the iNext and things like that. But probably sometime in the future, there's going to be another electric supercar, maybe a like, convertible supercar. That would be really fun. So I hope BMW does that. Um, but until then, we say goodbye to the i8. And, uh, you know, with a heavy heart, because it's, it's a deeply flawed but very very likable car now i want to jump into a question that i received uh for the podcast which i love receiving questions i love getting questions i love when you guys ask them so please continue but i want to get into one because it actually kind of gets me into another topic we wanted to talk about and that is paul from the uk doesn't say where in the uk but paul from the uk uh is currently running a bmw 335d touring car that I'm very jealous of because that's very very cool Um, but what he is wondering is if he should get the M340D now we haven't really seen much of the M340D but it is on its way 
and uh, he said the last he heard it would be spring, but now they're saying summer, and he's a little confused. Um, I don't know actually when it's going to arrive, uh, especially in the UK, because I'm in the US, um, but it is on its way, and it is worth waiting for, because the M340i is a fantastic car. The M340i Touring is a incredible car. I actually haven't driven the Touring because it's not available in the U.S., but the M340i sedan is a fantastic daily driver, one of the best on the road right now, um, so the Touring is only going to make it better. It's just going to make it more practical. I think it actually looks better, so uh, just because that car is incredible, the M340d is only going to be every bit as incredible, just more fuel efficient, and probably make more sense in the U.K., you know, diesel is, I believe it's cheaper there. And, uh, you know, with the fuel economy and taxes and stuff like that, I think diesels seem to work out better there. So if, if it's worth the wait, uh, Paul, if you can hold on a little bit longer, wait for the three M340D touring because it's really, really going to be worth it. Again, I don't know when, but summer, that's that doesn't seem like too far away to me. I mean, unless you really, really need a new car now, I would say it's well worth the wait. And that kind of brings me on to our next topic, and that is that the M340i, and I guess by extension M340d Touring, is such a great car. It's so great, and I'm so jealous. As an American car enthusiast, I'm so jealous that you guys over in Europe get to drive these things, because I love fast wagons. Who doesn't? What car enthusiast doesn't love fast wagons? And personally, for me, it would, I mean, I can't afford a $60,000 wagon, but uh, if I could, that would be my choice because I have a small family. I have, a, I have one young son and a dog, and throwing all of them in the car can be a bit tricky, but with a wagon, it's much, much easier. And typically, wagons in America aren't really that exciting because we only get things like the Audi A4 all-road here. We don't really get cool wagons, but the M340i wagon would be amazing. That would be fantastic. It would be like... The M3 wagon we never got, you know, it's all-wheel drive, it's super fast, it looks cool, it handles really well. I mean, oh my god, I'm, I'm very, very, very jealous of that car. And I'm, by the way, Paul, I'm very jealous of your uh, 335D, because that's a super awesome car as well. That's, oh, man, I, I wish, I wish that was available here in the U.S. So, uh, yeah, I would suggest waiting. I don't know exactly when, but uh, whatever, whenever it arrives, that's fine trust me it's well worth the wait so don't worry too much just kind of keep checking in with your dealer to make sure you know you have you're keeping an eye on when it arrives and when it finally does arrive take that thing home and really enjoy it because you're gonna love it it's a really it's gonna be a really really awesome car so uh yeah that's all we have for this week uh next week we have a very special guest um so stay tuned i don't want to give away who the guest is just yet because uh, we've been running into some scheduling conflicts. You know, this person's very busy. We're very busy. You know, we're trying to, to get a good time that works. And that's always tricky, especially when we do things remotely. You know, it's a lot harder that way. Um, so I don't want to say exactly who, but we're crossing our fingers that our another guest is going to be joining us uh, for next episode. So please stay tuned for that. Have a listen. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And uh, thank you for listening.